Good morning, family. Good to see you all today. Uh, You'll notice on the back of your bulletin is uh, the the sermon notes page. I was looking at that. We've just been singing about uh, order our steps in your word. And I couldn't help but notice in the bottom right-hand corner, it says, Next week, return to the gospel of luck. Now, that may be a gospel that you want, but there is no such gospel. We will not be returning to the gospel of luck. I'll be preaching next week, and I'm not preaching from the gospel of luck. So anyway, we'll be back to the gospel of Luke next week, who um, will show us Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've given us your word. It's a word that comes straight from your heart, and it's aimed straight at our hearts. So open our hearts, Lord, wherever we have our shields up, would you help us to take our shields down, that you, Holy Spirit, could really target our heart with these words of life and joy and peace and righteousness. Show us Jesus. Remind us of our calling. Order our steps in your word. Make us your people more and more each day. It'll be evident to others as we rub shoulders with them that we've been with Jesus. It won't be us that they see so much, but it will be you. So, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds. Speak to us, Lord, through your word, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. In the 2004 Summer Olympic Games in Athens, uh, the women's, American women's 4x100 relay race was heavily favored to win the gold medal. The team featured Marion Jones, a sprinter who had won four gold medals at the previous games in Sydney, Australia. The American team was already off to a strong start when Jones took the baton for the second leg of the race. Uh, She was picking up ground as she ran her 100, and she approached Lauren Williams, a young speedster who would run the third leg. Williams began running as Jones drew near, but when she reached back to get that baton, they, they just couldn't seem to complete the handoff. Once, twice, three times, Jones thrust the baton forward, but each time it just missed Williams' hand, or she couldn't seem to wrap her fingers around it. Finally, on the fourth try, they made that connection, but by the time, by that time, they had run out of the 20-yard exchange zone, and they were disqualified. Everyone knew they were the fastest team on the track the night before they had set the fastest qualifying time. But when they couldn't complete the handoff, their race was over. Two Sundays ago, I announced that I will retire as your senior pastor at the end of April of 2018, next year. We've been talking about it in our congregational meetings, and I want you to know that I'm available and happy to talk with any of you personally about any of the details, any of your thoughts or concerns. The elders and I have been talking about this for a few years now, and the time has come to draw you all, the family here, into the mix I've been running the race as your senior pastor for more than 33 years now, and I love being your pastor. I don't think I've said that enough. 
but I love being your pastor. One of the greatest privileges I think a man can have in this world. But the time is approaching for me to make the handoff, to pass the baton of that leadership and that joy to another. So this morning, I'd like to consider how that transition takes place in a church. And to do that, I've chosen to use the metaphor of a relay race. The runners in a relay race, they pass that baton from one to another to another on their way to a finish line. They run as a team, they win or lose as a team, and they finish as a team. And that's how it works for us in a church family as well. Right now, yes, we're all aware that soon I'll be passing the baton to your next senior pastor. But underneath that is a deeper reality that each one of us is running the relay race of faith. And we need to be practicing the passing of that baton to others, each one of us. So that when your next senior pastor arrives, I want him to find a thriving church family where everyone is in the race, no one is on the sideline, every church member is carrying the baton of faith and practicing to pass it to someone else. So he must not be the only one holding a baton around here. You'll be doing that too. And you'll be doing what he will start doing among you. And you will be a great encouragement to each other. So in this message today, I'll be talking about all of us passing the faith baton against the backdrop of me passing the pastoral baton. That's the title of the message today, Passing the Baton. Passing the Baton. And I'd like to offer three biblical principles about this process today from three different passages of Scripture. And I'm careful to call these principles, not promises. There are no guarantees. There are no can't-fail formulas when it comes to the transmission of faith or leadership. But there are things we all can do to understand, support, and participate in the process to give it the best shot at success as possible. Passing the baton. Here's the first principle. Those who run before set the pace for those who follow. Those who run before set the pace for those who follow. Look at this verse from the Apostle Paul's second letter to a young pastor named Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. I want you to notice how the race began with a woman named Lois running the first leg. We don't know how she came to faith in Christ, but she ran a good race, and she passed the baton of faith on to her daughter Eunice, who then handed it off to her son, Timothy. Three spiritual generations in that one verse. That's how it works. And I want you to notice the particular kind of faith that was being passed along from grandmother to mother to son. What kind of faith was it? Paul calls it sincere faith. I've been reminded of your sincere faith. So we're not talking about just religion, not cultural Christianity, not churchianity, 
but real faith, life-saving, life-changing faith in Jesus Christ. And like a runner in third position, Timothy watched his predecessors run the race, and he learned what real faith, sincere faith, looks like in action. I remember a high school coach who used to yell at us during wind sprints, Come on, my grandmother runs faster than you guys. Anybody ever have a coach yell that at you? (laughs) Do all coaches yell that? I think maybe they do. Anyway, this grandmother, Lois, she ran pretty fast. She set such a mean pace that both her daughter and her grandson not only took hold of her sincere faith, but the grandson became a spiritual champion, a leader in his own generation. I've had the privilege of having great leaders and mentors who set the pace for me in following Jesus. I owe them a great debt. And I hope you have that too. And if you don't, it's not too late for that to happen. But I want us to think about this. What kind of pace are we as a church setting for those who are watching? Those who will run the race after us? Is the quality of our faith giving them a head start or a handicap? Because make no mistake about it, others are watching you. I don't want to freak you out by that, but others are watching you. Children and teenagers in this church, people in the community, neighbors, those who are new to the Christian faith or interested in the faith, they're watching to see how you work, how you worship, how you treat people, how you talk, how you spend your time, how you spend your money. Do you know what they're looking for? What they're looking for is authenticity. Sincere faith. Authenticity. They're not looking for perfection. They know you're human. They know you mess up. They've seen you do it. They know you make mistakes. We all do. What they're looking for is a faith that is sincere, that is authentic, that is real and personal to you. It's the real deal. Survey after survey reveals that this is what people are looking for when they think about churches. Authenticity. Is it real? Is it fake? Or is it real? Do we really love each other? Do we really care about each other? Do we really worship? Do we really want to know God and follow Jesus every day? The style of the worship music is not nearly as important as the fact that the people around them are singing the songs as if they really believe them, as if their hearts are really in it. You know, how hip the preachers, teachers, and leaders are is not as important as they're having a humble, honest, open, caring spirit. People want to see the real thing. There's not a lot of it out in the world today. It's a rare commodity. That's why there's so much cynicism about our political leaders. People want to see the real thing. They don't know it necessarily, but what they want to see is Jesus in you. That's what they're longing for. That kind of real, that kind of authentic Jesus in you. As a pastor for so many years, I've often had parents talk with me about 
raising their children to follow Christ. And as I've thought about that, and I've thought about it a lot over the years, as I've thought about families in which children have embraced the faith, I've discovered that there are no standard methods or practices or formulas. This is very disappointing to us as young parents. Some families had family devotions every night at the dinner table. Others were much more spontaneous and haphazard. Some homes were very strict. Uh, Others were remarkably permissive. Some parents were very outspoken in their faith and their leadership. Others were rather quiet and behind the scenes. But the common characteristic in these families was the authenticity of the parents' faith in Jesus and the honesty about that faith around the home. I don't really remember my father or mother telling me that I needed to have a daily quiet time with God where I read my Bible and prayed. They might have told me that. I just don't remember it if they did. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. But you know what? Most every day of my life as a kid, at some point, I would see one or both of them sitting at the table or in a comfortable chair with their two most precious things in front of them, their Bible and a cup of coffee. They didn't have to tell me to read my Bible and pray. They showed me how the race is run, Bible and coffee. That's how it works, so that's how I roll. (laughs) Parents, do your kids ever catch you reading the Bible and praying? Do they see you heading off to a Bible study or a small group to grow in your faith? Do they overhear you sharing your faith, talking about Jesus with neighbors or or relatives? Do they catch you serving the church? Or instead, do they hear you bad-mouthing the church or being critical of the leaders or the worship service? Do they hear you lying about their age to get them into some event at a cheaper price? Are there words you use at home that you wouldn't use at church or elsewhere in public? I'm not just talking about parents here. Children and young people look to all the adults in their lives to set the pace for them. That's that's how it works. The George Barna Institute reports that about half of today's teens say they have no positive role models in their lives. Half. You could be one of those role models in their lives. The children the young people, in your family, your extended family, our church. You can show them how the race is run. Not perfectly. None of us can do anything perfectly in this world. We're broken. We're fallen. We need a Savior, and we have him in Jesus. But nevertheless, you can show them how the race is run. You can show them how to keep their eyes on Jesus because you need him. You can give them a head start on their spiritual journey simply by taking an interest in them, by sharing some of your time and energy with them, um, living a vibrant, authentic faith, not perfectly, but authentic in front of them, where they actually see and hear you repenting of your sin, believing the gospel for yourself, and committing to obey Jesus as you walk with You can help someone else reach back for the baton of faith in this church. 
as we move into the future. Those who run before set the pace for those who follow set the pace. Secondly, the successful handoff is the result of a thousand practice runs. The successful handoff is the result of a, a thousand practice runs. As important as it is for the previous generation of leaders to set the pace by living authentically as they follow Jesus, at a certain point a handoff must be made in which the next generation receives the baton of faith and begins to run with it. That handoff, that handoff isn't as easy as it looks. It isn't automatically, automatic. It doesn't just happen. It's the result of practicing thousands of times. That's what the Lord calls for us in our lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, we read, These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. These verses remind us that this teaching happens both formally and informally, at home and at church, in relationships and in events, on every ordinary day, in every little way. Some of it takes place when you intentionally sit down with others and look at God's word together. Some of it takes place as you walk through life, responding to situations or talking over challenges or difficulties. You can't rush this process. It goes on for years and years and years in families and in churches. It's the result of a thousand prayers, a thousand questions about God and faith and life and death and heaven and hell and the Bible and a thousand footsteps of walking with people here, there, everywhere you end up going. Just going over the basics, walking through the essentials over and over and over again. Unlike an Olympic race, there is no specified zone in which the handoff can and must take place. And that, my friends, is really good news. There's no specified handoff zone. Oh, no, you're disqualified. You didn't hit the zone. Nope. The truth is there will likely be several exchanges attempted before the baton of faith is fully passed. But whenever it happens, it will be the result of hours and hours of practice, of living it out, of years and years of just walking the track of life by faith, following Jesus. This 15-month transition that we are in as a church until my retirement, it's not a hiatus. It's not, you know, quiet time, time off. It's not a hiatus. It's running the race. It's just a different part of the race. We're all called to be in the race, practicing the handoff of the baton to someone else. That's our way of life. That's our way of life as followers of Jesus. And there will be times when you wonder if it's worth all the effort. Parents, how many nights do you read a Bible story to your kids or pray with them as you tuck them into bed, and there are no remarkable insights, no deep conversations? If you're a children's worker or youth staff, I know there are times when you drive home and you wonder to yourself if anything at all is getting through. Wherever you are 
in your season of life, in the ministry that you're involved of, involved in. Your, your preschoolers are climbing the walls. The teenagers look like they're half asleep. The adults look like they're completely asleep. And you wonder if it's worth all the effort. Sometimes it feels like you're just going through the motions. Well, that's exactly what you're doing. That's exactly what you're doing. You're going through the motions of faith. So that when it comes time for the real handoff to take place, those motions will be part of you. They'll just come naturally. You're learning to talk about spiritual things with others. So that when an important conversation suddenly pops up, it can happen. And it will happen. You're imparting your heart and your values, yourself, so that when a decision needs to be made, it it can be made quickly and correctly. That person who's running behind you or alongside you, that that person is getting used to the feel of the baton in his or her hand so that at some point when they reach for it and you let go of it, their fingers will easily grasp it and they will carry on from there. Don't underestimate the impact you can have on others around you, in your home, your extended family, your neighborhood, your job your school, your church, even your nation. By your authentic faith and personal involvement, you're helping to prepare others for the day they need to take hold of that baton for themselves. That's what church members and church leaders, all followers of Jesus together, that's what we do. That's our way of life. Thirdly, Passing the baton. Once the handoff has been made, keep cheering. Once the handoff has been made, keep cheering. Can you imagine a relay race in which the first runner makes the handoff, watches her teammate take off running, and then picks up her sweats and heads into the locker room without watching the end of the race? No, that's not going to happen. I don't think so. She's going to be cheering. Man, she's going to watch She's going to cheer. She's going to channel every bit of energy she can to speed her teammates along. The race isn't over after the baton is passed. There's still important work to be done. So it is in the relay race of faith and leadership. You can set a pace by the way you run, giving others a good head start. You practice the handoff for years. But when the exchange is made or bungled, you're not done. You're not done. You're still part of the team. You need to keep on cheering. Now, what do I mean by keep on cheering? I'm thinking of the kinds of things the Apostle Paul described in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica. Chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. This is what he said. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That's a father's heart right there. He says, remember what it was like when we were together. These are the things that were important for me to impart and invest in you, to encourage, comfort, and urge you. Keep on. Keep on with Jesus. Because God's called you into the kingdom of God. 
Paul's writing about that years later, you know, after it's already happened, and he's writing to them. They say you never stop being a parent, that no matter how old your children get, they continue to look to you for love, for support, and you continue to serve them and agonize over their challenges and their choices. I now know this to be true, as my four sons are all adults now, and it's extending beyond my children to their children now. And the same is true spiritually in our church. That you and I, we need to continue to be there for the people God places in our lives, even after they're running their own race. Encouraging, comforting, urging, says Paul. Keep on cheering. So I'd like to speak for just a few more minutes to those of you whose children, like mine, are already grown. Uh, Maybe there's been a successful passing of the baton of faith. Maybe not. Maybe for some of your children, but not for others. I understand. That's the way it is for Shelley and me too at this time. For some of our children, but not for others. We agonize over that as you do. I want you to understand that the race is not over yet. The nice thing about this parenting gig is that there's no limited exchange zone for passing the baton. It can happen in an instant, quickly, or over many years. It can happen in childhood, or in the teenage years, or in adulthood. And even if the baton is dropped, it can always be picked up again. So you want to continue to be there for your grown children or for the young people and peers and friends that you have influenced for Christ. Granted, your influence is limited. Nagging, criticism, and pressure are not likely to help. Anybody heard that from any of your, your kids or people you're working with? <laughs> but you are still able to talk about your life, your faith with them. There are moments where you can invite them to know God, to grow in him. You can pray for them, love them, still show them in your own life how the race is run. My advice to parents who have children who at this point have turned away from the Christian faith is simply this. Keep the door open. Keep the door open. That's your job. That's your job as the parent of adult children. You keep the door open. Don't shut them out of your life just because you're not happy with the choices they've made. Don't make faith a battleground for your relationship with them. Continue to love them. Enjoy them. Include them, talk with them, and pray for them. Meet them on their turf whenever you can, in their world. Then you can keep on sharing your world, your heart, your faith with them. And I know we all have this, but I I just want to encourage you, don't don't beat yourself up for things you could have, should have done. We've all got things on that list. In the end, we need to remember that every runner runs his or her own race. You can't choose Jesus for them.
Just as no one could choose Jesus for you. There are no formulas or guarantees. You could do everything in your power to hand off that baton of faith, and they could simply decide they don't want to take it. If there are specific failures or sins on your part that you've really become aware of, and you know you need forgiveness, then take those to the Lord. Receive his forgiveness. Let him cleanse your conscience from dead works that you might serve him in that very area of your life. And then you may have to go to your children as well to ask their forgiveness for things. You just have to sort that out in your conversations with the Lord. But then you have to move ahead beyond guilt, shame, self-pity, and get back out there on the track. It's way too soon to head for the locker room. The race isn't over yet. Not for you and not for them. My experience, for what it's worth, is that most people raised in the faith will embrace it at some point in their lives. There may be some wandering and wasted years. There may be some hurt, some heartache. But isn't that just the same in your own life? Is it really any different from your own experience? You know, all is not sweetness and light. It's roses and thorns. It's ups and downs, is it not? But our God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping, promise-making, promise-keeping God. He loves your children more than you ever will be able to. You know, it's easy. It's easy to give up. I think it's important for us to remember the race is not all is not over. Usually, not not always, but usually. They come back at some point. They're looking for that baton at some point. And when they do, you want to be sure you're still on the track. You haven't packed it up and gone home. Still running the race. Still practicing the handoff. That's faith. You're still practicing the handoff, ready to pass them the baton in God's time. It's not my time, not your time, but it is his time. So keep at it. Keep cheering. It's easy to get discouraged and want to drop out of the race when children you're raising or people you're mentoring, they just don't seem to want that baton, and they walk away. That hurts. Boy, that hurts. Don't quit. It's not over till it's over. Pray for God's work in them. Pray for God's work in you. Ask God to renew you. None of us makes it to the finish line apart from the renewing work of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Ask God to renew you. That's the key. We need the renewing work of the Holy Spirit so that we can stay in the race with fresh energy. If you find yourself on the sidelines, that's not where God wants you to live. Ask God to renew you in his love. He delights to do that. He'll do it. Ask him to help you get back in the race, baton in hand, practicing the handoff of faith or leadership, and he will do that. As God promises through Isaiah in chapter 40 of his, pro- of his prophecy, verses 29 through 31, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. There it is. Hope in the Lord. He will renew your strength. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Beautiful passage in Zephaniah chapter 3 where it talks about God singing over his people. He just, he just delights in you. And, and one of the part of that verse says that he will renew you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's what he wants to do in your life. So that's where we need to be as a church family. Each of us needs to be being renewed by the Holy Spirit in our faith, in who God is, and what he's called us to be all about in his kingdom. So each one of us needs to be on the track, running the race, practicing the handoff, to pass the baton to someone else who will run after us. So it's not just about me passing the baton to your next senior pastor. It is that, but it is so much bigger and more basic than that. It is really about all of us who call Jesus Lord here at New Life Philly. This faith and this church thing, it's a relay race. It's not individual sprints. And all of us are needed on the track. If you don't know exactly what that could look like, what that could mean for you right now where you are in your life, please um, make time for some conversation with a pastor or an elder, a staff member, or someone in your small group. Just don't let it fade away. I may be getting older and more lame in many ways, uh, I'm aware of. But look, by God's grace, I will keep running the race with you. Close at hand, practicing the handoff, and then cheering like crazy. Because I want this church and your next pastor to succeed, to thrive, for the glory of God here in Philadelphia for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom in and through this congregation. And I want you to know, whether you see me or not, that I will be your biggest cheerleader. And that's all I have to say about that. Amen.